Divorce Detox features raw, unfiltered conversations with divorce coach Lisa Happ and family law attorney Jolie Vackey. Learn how to cope, heal, and thrive while navigating the inherently flawed family court system. Enjoy candid conversations with the hosts and their expert guests as they discuss the dirty details about divorce and co-parenting. It's time for Divorce Detox. Welcome to Divorce Detox with Lisa and Joe Lee. We host a weekly podcast where we dish all about the dirty details of divorce, co-parenting, and how to cope, heal, and thrive while navigating the inherently flawed family court system and separating from your ex. We are your hosts, certified divorce coach Lisa Happ of Lisa Happ Coaching and family law attorney Jolie Vackey, founding attorney of Foundations Family Law and Mediation Center. This is episode 16 of the Divorce Detox podcast. Today, we are talking to Teresa Harlow. He's a co-parenting and step-parenting coach. Hi, Teresa. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm glad to, glad to join you both. Awesome. Teresa, so how long have you been doing this kind of work and how did you get into it? Well, I'll start with, I've been a co-parent for about 24 years and a step-parent for 15 or so. Uh, and I uh, started with my own journey, like a lot of people that end up in, in this realm. Um, when I, my son and my son's father and I divorced, um, I quickly realized that in order to really ensure he had the best shot at a happy childhood and I had the best chance to have have the happiness and the the parenting experience that I'd always dreamed of I needed to find a way to collaborate with my son's father after we divorced and so you know I I set out to be the best parent I could be make sure that he could be the best parent he could be even though we may not have wanted to live together I wanted my son to have the best father that that I could give him uh from any any way I could influence that. And uh, then just treating him the way I wanted to be treated. So hoping that he would reciprocate that, if not immediately, then over time. And I stuck with that. And uh, over time, it actually did work. And people started to tell me, hey, you know, I really wish my parents would have done this for me when they divorced, or I wish I could do this for my kids now that their father and I have divorced or their mom and I have divorced. And I thought, well, it's not insurmountable. I achieved it. I'm not all that special. Uh, so I decided to write a book and uh, published Combative to Collaborative, the Co-Parenting Code in 2021. And it's done really well. It's uh, consistently been a bestseller on Amazon still to this day on, and you know, that varies every 24 hours, right? But um, it's usually right up there in the top 100 uh, in many categories. So um, I think it's helping a lot of people. And I've expanded on that to also offer private coaching to co-parents who want to do better um, or that maybe are struggling. Um, I do that um, whether they are like a solo per solo parent that wants to uh, improve and maybe they don't have a cooperative partner on the other side, but I can still help them. And then also, and ideally, 
I get them both into a conversation of coaching them to figure out, you know, what are the uh, roots of the conflict that trigger each other and how can we recast those things to make for more collaborative interactions? Um, because I really think that the key to raising the happy children uh, after a divorce is by means of, by through, through the parents, I guess. Um, it's not going to happen from the kids themselves. They didn't have anything to do with this. So we have to do our best to insulate them from the con conflict and actually learn to be more effective in interacting with each other so that we're not creating circumstances for them that are awkward, uncomfortable, and maybe even unsettling and sad. How old was your son when you got divorced? Yeah, he was six years old, uh, just entering, and he was, he was an um October baby so he was actually just entering kindergarten mm -hmm. uh and uh so he was five going on six mm -hmm. and um so I was like wow he's got his whole academic career in front of him and here's what we're thrusting on them right out of the gate so I mean the first thing I did was let the school know this is what's going on with with us so they could kind of be aware that our son was dealing with this as he started school um, which I think the the uh, teacher he had in kindergarten and, and also in first grade, she stayed with him. She was a brand new teacher. So she was probably like, oh, great, you know. <laughs> and at the same time, she was probably like kind of thankful that I told her. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say that after, you know, that second year, um, she said, wow, you guys have really done a good job of, of you know, making sure your son had the support of both of you, that it didn't affect him negatively. And he was, he was thriving in school. So we did some things right, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you did so many things right. I think it's a breath of fresh air to talk to you today. And I know so many of our listeners could use your help. Because it's not easy to co-parent with somebody that you're choosing not to be married to. And I love what you said about I needed to help my ex-husband find a way to be the best parent he could be. I absolutely love that because I think a lot of people would feel like that wasn't their job, but you did it for your son so he could have the best parent he could have. That's amazing. Yeah, well, and... You know, it, it's true. Most people think, oh, it's not my job to make sure they're the best they can be. But there are certainly a lot of things you can do to either feed or inhibit that. And and I think that's where parents can serve each other. And in the process of serving the other parent, you're serving your child. And mm -hmm. by the way, you. Uh, because if you make things smoother for your interactions with your co-parent, it's going to fuel happiness in your life. You're not going to have that, you know, angst every time you have a conversation. You're not going to have the awkwardness that your son has to navigate or your daughter has to navigate just when you two are in the same room together. And that doesn't end at 18. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got their whole life and your whole life to deal with things well beyond just the first 18 years. There's, you know, college and uh, marriages and maybe grandkids if you're lucky and so this isn't something to just get through this is something to um, figure out and do well at mm -hmm. 
So much of the conflict that I see come into my practice, you know, in post-divorce modifications and contempts and when there's still continued conflict, even after the divorce, a lot of it seems to stem from a very kind of selfish, <laughs> a lot of self, selfish needs, wants, desires, you know, I, I get this time, I deserve this, I deserve that. And it's not focused at all about what's best for the the children or what do the children want. And, and does that come from just um, like, not having the healing, the personal healing for the parents for the spouses. Um, and so that just ripples, you know, continues into the future and, and inhibits their co parenting relationship, how, how I guess the root of my question is, how do we get the parents to focus on not what they're losing or gaining, but on what is best for their children. How do we get there? What techniques uh, use? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you hit on something there. I mean, parents tend to continue to act in their after their divorce as if, you know, this anger has to be perpetuated with an ex. It's like you already decided to end it. So, you know gain some benefit from that rather than continuing the, uh, you know, the anger, the resentment, all those things are, you're not going to fix that. The relationship is over. So quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to get payback for it um, because that's not serving you. Um, and instead put your energy on what does serve you. Um, and so, you know, if you want to, be treated with respect and courtesy and uh, with consideration, then you have to put that out there or you have no hope of getting it back. I mean, that's how the universe works. That's how life works. It's reciprocated to you. So if you really have a desire for a happy, healthy, uh, fulfilling life, then you need to act accordingly. Um, and I, that's where I go back to trying to put it in simple terms for him. Mm -hmm. Be a good parent, enable the other parent to do their best to be a good parent, and then treat them the way you want to be treated. I mean, really, if you, it sounds oversimplified, but if you do those three things, how are you going to go out of bounds? You know, mm -hmm. um, one of those three things will steer you back. You can, you know, uh, if you, if you have anger and all that, there's outlets you can use that don't involve damaging the relationship you have or further, uh, uh, hurting the relationship and communication and interactions that you have with a co-parent. Um, and you also have to consider how your child views, um, your actions. Mm. Um, if you're acting out against their parent they think of themselves as part of that other person too so how do you feel about them um does that then make them question whether they're a good person whether you like them uh after all you're treating someone that's related to them badly uh so you know thinking of it that way too is something that can sometimes it, it's really getting out of your own head you know re thinking uh, how you're looking at things. Empathy is a big thing that can get people to get out of their own heads. I really say, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes. I'll, I'll give you a quick story. So um, I wrote the book, uh, Happily Divorced. And 
it didn't really go anywhere. But um, <laughs> anyway, I use that as a basis for fueling this book. But the, the reason I'm telling you about it is because that's where I started the journey. And it was more of a introspective sort of, here's how we did it. No judgments on how anybody else does it. But I wanted to get out there. This is possible. And so it was a three-part uh, perspective. My perspective, my uh, supposed to be my ex-husband's perspective and our son was contributing to the book because he was 19 or so at the time I wrote it. Um, so uh, I asked my ex-husband if he wanted to be involved and do this thing. And he said, yeah, that sounds good. I could see us ending up, you know, on some TV show or something someday talking about it. So I was like, okay, cool. So, and he was a nice contrast to my kind of a really serious sort of approach to how I write. And I thought, well, that'll be a nice uh, juxtaposition to it. So I started sending him chapters. I had written all of the book and I said, I'm going to feed you these chapters and I want you to weigh in with your perspective and we'll figure out how to mold them together um, in, in the book. And he said, okay. So I, I told him, I said, keep an open mind. I want this to be kind of an unvarnished truth. So don't get triggered, you know, just realize that uh, I'm giving my perspective and you have a chance to give yours. So I sent him chapters one, two, and three, which were all about like things like how we told our son, um, how we decided to split up our uh, parenting time and where we decided to live in relation to one another and where our son lived and all that. Then chapter four got into part of the reasons that our relationship hit its hit its troubles. And suddenly he got really upset about the whole thing and said, look, um, I, I don't want to be part of this. I think if you're going to go down this route, um, we're just going to have to say that uh, the last chapter of the book has changed and we were happily divorced until you decide to write this book. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, that is going completely the wrong direction and it won't it won't offer the um this the story that I wanted to share with the world, which was we are we still get along even after 20 years. And so I thought about um, what I could do to um, approach that situation. Now, the first thing I did after a couple uh, hanging up the phone on each other in this conversation, uh, mind you, 20 years removed from our original divorce, was to just ask him to set it aside for a little bit because I was very busy with my day job at the time. And I said, look, let's just take a time out. I need to think about how to how to proceed. I don't want this to ruin our relationship. We've worked too hard to maintain it for all this time. And our, our son can be, you know, comfortable with both of us present and not have to deal with any of that. So it took about six months and I thought, how can I get in his head and understand this perspective? And so I read what I had written for the book as if I was him. Every time I had his name in the book, I put my name in that place and thought, would I want someone to say that about me or in relation to me? Would I like hearing that? Would I like reading that? Whatever. And as I did that, I thought first couple chapters, I'm like, what's wrong with this? This is great. I don't know. I don't see what he's talking about. And I got to chapter four and went into that part where he suddenly shut down on the whole thing. And I was like, ooh, oh yeah. Ooh, that's really uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Um, so I, I started to realize 
by putting myself as literally as I could in his shoes and hearing what he was hearing, reading what he was reading, I realized it wasn't very comfortable. So I rewrote large portions of the book uh, with that in mind, trying to bring balance to it and trying to expose myself a little bit so that it wasn't all about, you know, every time I thought of a scenario, I was giving some of the negative per se that maybe I I had demonstrated in that situation or how I didn't quite get it right, how I could have done better. Put those things in there and then went back to my son's dad and said, hey, I've reworked this book. I still think it's important for us to get the, this story out there. Would you be willing to take another run at it? And so he agreed to, and uh, to make a long story uh, shorter, um, I'll just say that I took the manuscript over to him and he said it would take him about two weeks to get to it, but six hours later, oh, and I'll, I'll just say, I asked him, please um, highlight anything that really still triggers you. I, I, I think we can work through anything that's that troubling. And so I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And uh, so six hours later, he calls me and he says, good news, no highlights. And I'm like, oh, well, that's great. How far are you? He says, chapter nine. And I'm like, oh, thank God, we got past chapter four. <laughs> so I said, well, look, are you going to uh, get back on board? Do you want to be involved? He said, no, I, I, I don't think I want to relive it chapter by chapter. But if you'd like, I'll write the forward. So he wrote the forward to the book and uh, shared his perspective, even including that, how we came back through that. And really the way I got to that point and, and headed off what could have been a catastrophic uh, thing for our long-term relationship was to be empathetic and think about what if I were in his shoes, how would I feel? And if we do that every time and it doesn't feel good, we need to make an adjustment. We just have to make an adjustment because it's what serves us um, and the long-term goal we have, which is, you know, no conflict or low conflict, um, making sure our child has everything he needs to thrive and feel loved and to achieve our own personal happiness. Divorce Detox is sponsored by Lisa Happ Coaching and Foundations Family Law and Mediation Center. Lisa Happ is a certified divorce, narcissistic abuse, grief, and life coach. She guides women in abusive, toxic, and narcissistic relationships through the divorce process and beyond to help transform and transmute their fear around their divorce and leaving a relationship to confidence and calmness. Together with Lisa, you can clear the fog and emotional chaos you're experiencing by setting boundaries, finding your voice, and reclaiming life and your power. No matter where you are in the process, she is here to support you every step of your way. You can find her at lisahap.com. Foundations Family Law and Mediation Center is a solutions-oriented boutique law firm based in Worcester County, Massachusetts. They represent clients and mediate divorces in both Massachusetts and Rhode Island. The philosophy of Foundations Family Law is to resolve family law conflicts as painlessly and peacefully as possible. 
They firmly believe that something beautiful can be made from something broken, and they will be with you every step of the way to build a solid foundation for the future you deserve, filled with freedom, stability, and peace of mind. If this resonates with you and what you are looking for in a family law attorney or mediator, be sure to check out Foundations Family Law online at foundation, foundationsfamilylaw.com. Lisa is extremely generous and is offering a free coaching session for all new Foundations Family Law divorce clients. And the magic really happens for our clients when they choose to work with both of us through our Divorce Detox Signature Program. If you retain Foundations Family Law for your legal matter and purchase a coaching package with Lisa Hap Coaching, you will get a free bi-monthly call with both of us to ensure that your legal strategy and emotional healing are in alignment and helping you to reach your ultimate goals. So how did, how did you help yourself and now your clients find that empathy within yourself? Because when Jolie and I both do a lot of high, high conflict divorce, and I could find that, I could see that could be challenging to help somebody dig deep inside, even if they're the kindest, most compassionate person to find that empathy during that time. Do you have any tips for our listeners well, on how to find that? Yeah, you know, um, I jokingly sort of say that even a narcissist can do empathy because mm -hmm. suddenly I'm liberating that person from thinking about anyone other than themselves, if you think about it. I'm saying, how would you feel if this happened to you? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not asking them to think or, or be concerned about the other person. I'm asking them to recast it in their brain, in their mind. How would you like it if this were happening to you? And so they, they can feel like, okay, I no longer have to think about whether I like the other person or not. I just have to act in ways I would want to be treated. Uh, so it's kind of like they can sort of put blinders on to their, maybe their dislike or what makes them uncomfortable with this other party. Um, you know, and I've got a question, a, a series of questions that I'll put in front of my co-parents to say, when you aren't sure you can get focused on this, ask yourself these questions. And it th it's things like, you know, what is important about this relationship? Why is it important to maintain a co-parenting relationship? What are the, the uh, consequences of it failing? Mm -hmm. Because there are consequences. You may say, well, I'll be free of them. Yeah, but what does that really mean? What does that mean to you, to your child? What does that, what impacts does that actually have on your day-to-day -day existence and your long-term life? And if they really are, are questioned, you know, and asked to deeply examine the answers to those, they discover some things that they may not want to admit, but that, that caused them to maybe reevaluate their actions. What advice do you have for somebody who believes that they are being empathetic and they're, you know, agreeing to requests from the other parent with the hopes of, you know, receiving the same in return, but they're met with resistance. So they're not getting the reciprocated action back to them that they were hoping for. And so what I see sometimes happen is that person just kind of is like fed up and they're like, well, why am I even doing this? If I'm, if, if it's only benefiting them and I need to put up a boundary, like, how do you, how do you advise in those kinds of situations? 
Yeah, boy, do I get that. So, you know, while my my relationship as a co-parent um, really quickly moved to a more collaborative place, my experience as a step-parent was a much uh, longer trajectory to get there. I mean, it really took me 10 years to become amicable, I would say, with my husband's ex-wife. Um, so here's the thing. One, it doesn't always happen immediately. Sometimes it takes time, maybe a long time. Sometimes it never happens. But it's worth continuing that journey for more than one reason. One, it sometimes can happen after a long time. So I say never give up because the uh, journey is worth it. The effort is worth it. The, the outcome you're seeking is worth it. And two, even if it doesn't ever happen, you want to be able to hold your head high and proudly say you did the right thing. You did what had to be done to um, do your part to be a good parent. Um, and it can be frustrating. And I know it's easier saying all that than doing that. But if you just throw in the towel, you're only going to disappoint yourself and it, it doesn't get you any closer to what you want. Um, so I always tell people it's worth it. Don't give up on it. And, you know, you you can't cause you can't um make the other person do the right thing you can only enable them to do that by you know putting things in front of them that that allow them to to make that choice um and you can certainly inhibit their ability but you can't make them do anything um so do your best so that you can sleep well at night so that you can be proud of your parenting effort. And, um, then that is the best you can do. I love that. And do your best is like the most simple advice and the most perfect advice, I think, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in our own anger and frustration and just the chaotic fight that we get dragged into sometimes. Well, you know, and, and sometimes, and, and this happens in a lot of things, like we, we try to own the other person's outcome. You can't, I mean, you can enable, you can, you can aid them along the way, but if they don't pick up the, the help you give them, it's not going to matter. So just like it, when I speak, I'm a speaker professional speaker. And I was talking to some other speakers the other day and they were like, well, what if they don't like me even after I've done all these things? I said, you need to stop worrying about that. You can't make anybody like you. You know, you don't own their applause. You can't make them applaud. You can't make them cheer you. You can only put good content out there and do your best to, um, you know, entertain or whatever your, your particular approach is and speaking to them. And so do your job and let them do theirs, which mm -hmm. is to clap or whatever. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's important to remember that um, married people, like people in intact marriages, they still have differences in, in yeah. parenting decisions and, you know, 
Um, and that doesn't end, you know, when you get divorced. So it, it kind of seems like when, once you're divorced, it, you can only see it in that conflict, like context, yeah. but married people and parents, they're, they're experiencing the same thing, but just within a different, you know, family dynamic and structure, but uh, uh, nobody has the same opinions on everything to do with parenting. And we all have to work through these, whether we're together or separated from our partners. So conflict is just part of parenting where it's like, we're all trying to do the best we can. (laughs) So Yeah, Jolie, it's so true. Like my, um, my husband now and I have vastly different approaches to parenting. And I've actually learned a lot of things and tried to adopt some of the things that he's more nurturing than me, frankly. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that he does. I'm like, hmm, I should be doing more of that. So I brought that in. Um, I may disagree with how he approaches things. So what you said there, there there's disagreement. So we shouldn't expect there to be no disagreements and only one way to parent after we're divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole section in my in my book where I talk about, you know, when you're planning things, you need to consider the other parent. Mm-hmm. You would have considered them if you lived together. Mm-hmm. And so you need to consider them in the equation, even after you don't live together, because they're part of your life structure, your dynamic that you live within. Um mm-hmm. You know, so I I totally agree with what you said there. Mm-hmm. So how, I was I was just, sorry, Lisa. I just wanted to kind of like um run off a little bit of what you were talking about being a step parent and how has that journey been similar or and or different than your co parenting relationship with your ex husband? Like that must be a whole other. Oh, that's a whole other book. My God. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you need know, to write that um, one too, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think the the difficult thing on the there there's two sides to the to that whole step parenting thing, right? You've got the the um parents, uh, you know, natural parents, whatever, of of the children. And then you've got the step parent uh, who is someone that comes in later to the equation, right? On the, on the side of the, the, the natural parent, um, you know, if you're a natural parent, you, you feel like um, territorial, I guess, Mm -hmm. in your parenting, this is my kid. Right. And Mm -hmm. look, I, I went through that. Uh, My ex-husband got, remarried. So I had to make that adjustment. And at first I, I was fearful that my child would like her better. He'd want to spend more time with her and, and at their house than at mine. Um, you know, what if all those things happen? I had to deal with that and work through that. So I get the, the concern that it, it, uh, thrust upon the, the birth parent or, or birth mom or dad. Um, on the other side of that, the step parent has what feels like all the burdens of parenting and none of the uh, influence, none of the uh, accolades, <laughs> none of the positive side, just all the worry and all the desire to uh, help their stepchildren to thrive in and achieve happiness. Um, so it sometimes feel, feels thankless. Um, but, uh, and you feel like you have no influence, uh, which is one of the big things, especially if you're somewhat of a control freak, like I am, 
mm-hmm. and, and you want to have influence on situations, but you feel like you have to relinquish all of that. So it's a, it's a frustrating situation to be in. I had to come to terms with that and realize where it made sense for me to step out, uh, where it made sense for me to uh, respect the boundaries as the step parent of the other parents in the equation and let them make the choices that they felt were best for their children while not allowing anyone to, you know, treat me like a doormat. So it was a fine balance, um, whether that be the kids in the equation or the adults. Um, so, you know, it was, it was very trying and, um, I'd say a growth time for me and it it taught me some patience and it taught me some self realization. Like, you know, here I was, gee, look at me. I've done so well with my co-parenting. What the heck's wrong with you people? You know, (laughs) it's like, but I was, I was really creating part of the conflict and, and perpetuating it. And it wasn't until I actually realized I had taken a different approach in that relationship than I had with my co-parent and I would gotten away from sticking to my three main goals that uh, things then started to turn around. What would I do if I were on the receiving end of those things? How would I like to be talked to, you know? And so um, about 10 years in, um, the opportunities arose for me to demonstrate to my stepchildren's mom kindness. She did the same for me. Timing must have been right. We were both ready to do it. And in those small moments, everything changed. And it was just very small acts of kindness. And me, in, in my head, I can tell you what I was thinking. I was like, oh, she didn't get to be here for this game. What would I do if, or what would I want someone to do for me if I couldn't be here for my child's game? Oh, I would like her to take a picture and send it to me. Let's do that. And I did that simple thing. Um, it started to, you know, chip away at that that ice that was around both of us. And, you know, now we're about five years past that point and we can go to events together with the kids. All of us are at ease and can enjoy each other's company and no one has to feel awkward. And you would have never expected that to be the case when um this all first started so it was a long journey thank you it does sound like a journey but it goes back to what you said a little while ago where it may just take a little bit of time or maybe a lot of time 10 years yep. Yep. what you've done is really an inspiration for our listeners especially people right in the beginning of the divorce process that are trying to imagine the rest of their lives dealing with this other person I think this is going to be incredibly impactful and helpful for clients and our listeners yeah I hope so and you know there's there's more of that you know that they can continue to learn um, there's lots of resources out there. I mean, my website has a ton on it itself. I invite them to to join me. 
Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely put your um, information in the show notes so that our listeners can um, find you and your book and everything that you have to offer. Thank you so much for joining us, Teresa. This really was a, a wonderful conversation and we didn't really have a plan for today, but I really, um, I love where it went. And thank you for bringing your wisdom and knowledge to our to our audience. Well, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to them, both of you. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So that does it for today's show. Tune in and hear what Jolie and I are talking about next week. Thanks so much for tuning into Divorce Detox with Lisa and Jolie. If you enjoyed the show and want to help us create more content, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Divorce Detox Pod. Please note that the information shared during the podcast is for informational purposes only and does not create any type of attorney-client or coach-client relationship. Please consult with a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction for legal advice specific to your case.